Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio. end of the month, and I'm joined here at the studio helm by, by my esteemed co-host, Sifu Robert Deal. Sifu Bob, how's it going over there, man, in sunny Burbank? <laughs> stressful. Stressful. Tell, tell me about Very it. Very stressful. <laughs> well, I was, I, I was on the road at 525, stuck in traffic, freaking out. Oh, going, I got to get home, I got a show to do, what's going on? Exactly. So I was flipping out. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I I tend to I tend to flip out too because I gotta run everything from my computer. And you know, for for all the listeners out there that don't know, we don't sit in the same room. <laughs> we we're in completely we sit in the same state. <laughs> we don't even sit with yeah. We don't even sit in the same state. I'm here in Seattle. He's over there in Burbank. And uh, my my martial arts studio is about 40 minutes away. Um, and uh, my classes get out at 4.30. So let's <laughs> let's look at the timing here. 4.30. And it never fails. When I know I got to get home, there's always going to, you know, there's always going to be people that have to pay their tuition or, you know, they have questions and stuff. And I can't, like, say I can't take their question because I got to go. I have to, I have to do that because, you know, I got a business to run and I come whipping down the freeway going, Oh my gosh, I got to get to the, I got to start up the studio board. And of course my computer took forever to boot up and I'm like, what's going on? Yeah. Stressful. <laughs> but other than that, <laughs> so you've been hanging out with a lot of your inductees and well-known martial arts masters all weekend. So all weekend. Um, all weekend, and uh, before you tell us all about that real quick, I just want to give our listeners um, our phone number. It's 347-677-0699, and after our first segment, um, our usual discussion um, or interview panel is uh, going to be at 630, um, and we're going to be discussing martial arts then and now, and we're going to be hopefully joined by several Martial arts masters, uh, some of which include uh, Master Tony Collins, uh, Tuhan Brandon Jordan, Grandmaster um, Daryl Sargent, uh, Guru Rocky Twitchell, Master Clark Tang, Master David Reed, um, uh, Instructor Pete Reif is probably going to be joining us via chat board because uh, he can't join us on the phone, and we hope to see him on the chat board sometime soon. Uh, Pam Soldoff, if uh, you're driving... I hope you're listening. Shout out to Pam Soldoff, who's uh, driving and on her way toward California as we speak on the road. It's going to be fun. Anyhow, yeah, so uh, tune in. Keep tuned in, folks, because after we get through with our news and stuff like that, we're going to be talking with uh, these masters about the evolution of martial arts um, from the old days until now. 
All right. So tell us about your weekend with the Martial Arts History Museum and and uh, everybody the whole weekend. It was a wonderful weekend. Last night was uh, Doug Wong Day at the Masters at the Martial Arts uh, History Museum in Burbank. Right on. What a day it was. There were people. I Harry Wong showed up. He used to work for Inside Kung Fu Magazine. I haven't seen him in almost 20 years. Uh, mm-hmm. James Liu was there. Uh, Al Leung couldn't make it. A uh, lot of Sijo's students. Uh, uh, of course, Carrie was there. Uh, his, uh, two out of three of their kids were there. Very uh, cool. I was, I was able to hang out with the Reeds, with Chris Paul, with Alan Woodman, and all these people. And then today was Eric Lee's documentary screening, where about 30 or 40 of us got together at, uh, at Eric's uh, residence, and uh, we learned. I learned a lot about Eric, uh, mm-hmm. a lot about his comp- competition days, mm-hmm. and him meeting Bruce Lee and studying with Alda Goskos and and uh, Master Sherlew. And oh, it was very, very interesting. Yeah, he is. He is. Uh, since we're talking about the evolution of martial arts, you know, he's definitely one of the people that I would put up in there as far as like you know, bringing Chinese arts into the spotlight and stuff. You know, I've, I've, I've uh, admired him ever since I was still doing karate and wanted to do kung fu and haven't yet. And uh, and uh, he was like a household word in uh, Inside Kung Fu Magazine when it was still around. So that's pretty cool. And he's got a documentary. What's, what the, what's this documentary about? Uh, about his life. About Oh, uh, oh, oh. oh. Uh, you know, people were, were being interviewed. Doug Long, uh, uh, Dan Santo, uh, his students, Alan Woodman was on there. Uh, mm-hmm. Just a bunch of people I knew. Frank Dukes was on there. Uh, Malaya mm-hmm. Bernal was on there. Uh, about four or five uh, of his uh, of his uh, the people he interviewed have actually been on the show, which was really cool. Now I can go up to him because I didn't have time to talk to him, really. And now I can say, hey, you know what? Your documentary includes like four or five people that have already been on the show. It's your turn. Mm-hmm. And I hit up James Liu again last night. I'm, I'm going to dog James Liu until he says I'm free because he, he's like leaving for Russia in a week, for like six weeks, for like mm. August 1st. So he's all he's all over the place. But one of these days we are going to have uh James Lou on the show. I guarantee it. If I bug him enough, he'll, yeah. he'll do it just to shut me up. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and you know, being as busy as he is and stuff like that, it's 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 tough. But at least you know, at least, you know, he knows that you I mean, he knows that you've actually contacted him about it and stuff like that as opposed to just forgetting about it. So that's good. That's good. So I guess we just got to make up for his uh, busy schedule <laughs> right on. That's right. Very cool. Well, there's only less than a week until the Masters Hall of Fame. <laughs> the Masters Hall of Fame event, June 6, 2015. It's going to be fun. So listeners out there, if you're in the area uh, L.A., Burbank, Hollywood area, tickets are going fast. So get them now to make sure that you can get them because this is how, – how many years have we sold out so far? 
the the last six in a row. The last six in a row tickets have sold out, and a lot of people get them like two days prior. Um, I don't think you'll be able to get tickets at the door. I don't think it was ever like that, was it? Or was it? Sometimes. Uh, sometimes. Mm. Uh, we we were able to sometimes at the end to add tables, mm-hmm. uh, right. open up the room a little bit, because, you know, some of those rooms have dividers going down the center. So right, just but not the, the Roosevelt. <laughs> not the Roosevelt. No. <laughs> yeah, the Roosevelt Hotel, folks, does not have dividers. You know, once we hit seating capacity, we can't go over that, uh, mainly because of room. Um, and also for like fire code, uh, so right. you know, get your tickets now, folks. Okay, it'll save you a whole bunch of hassle. You know, trying to get there, thinking that there's like tickets at the door, there isn't. So get your tickets. The buy your tickets now. There is a will call line, so you can get them now and just pick them up when we get there. And once we hit capacity and sell out of tickets, that's it. And uh, so yeah, you know, come on, come on by, even though you're. You're not a um, inductee, you know. If you can swing it, it is a formal uh, awards banquet and dinner, black tie, evening gown. Um, come on by, support uh, people that you know that are being inducted, or you know, get to meet some of the martial arts masters that are being inducted and some of the celebrities that'll be around. So it'll be cool, awesome. So awesome, that awesome. and that celebrity list is right now. I know Frank Dukes is going to be there. Don Wilson mm-hmm. and Cynthia Rothrock are all going to be there. Oh, very cool. Very cool. I just heard that uh, Daryl Vidal, the uh, uh, stunt double for Pat Morita on the original Karate Kid, he's going to be there. He asked to sit at uh, my table. I said, sure, okay, why not? So, And, and Frank Dukes is going to be sitting at your table, if I remember correctly. Yeah, so that'll be that is cool. correct. <laughs> at least we'll ma- we're making it that way. <laughs> Because <laughs> I think I think your I think your table and my table and probably just only a couple others are get, are going to be the only ones that have room because uh, I think everyone else is like filling tables, so it'll be kind of cool. It'll right be great. on. All right, well let's move on with the show. Who do we have for birthdays this week? Tomorrow is Prince Lofler. Oh, cool. Uh, Nick Nick Palma and Jesus Bonilla. On the oh. third, we have Clark Daly from uh, San Diego. Uma Hadzik uh, is also on third. A good friend of ours, James Etter, is on the third. Uh, on the sixth, we have Curtis Letson oh, and cool. Grandmaster James DeMille. Oh, right on. Very cool. I want to send a shout-out to uh, uh, Mr. Mark McYoung. His birthday is June 1st. Um, what else do I got here? I'm scrolling. <laughs> and you already mentioned Sifu Curtis Letson. Right on. Um, I also want to send a shout-out to Judith Sidikman, whose birthday is on the 6th. Um, Who else? Uh, Felix Padilla, also on the 6th. And I think that's it for me. All right, so for everybody having a birthday the week of the 31st through June 6th, this tune is for you. (laughs) 
day. We're here to party and sing to you. He's from me. Hope you are bueno. The fun will reign the whole day through. From the gulf to the mountains, the city lights and fountains. We hope your birthday's excellent. You are another year older. So perhaps you should be generally awesome. Because today is your day. Hola. You! You deserve a grand fiesta. And later on fiesta. And the best of everything. Sí, señor. Woohoo! Happy birthday, everybody. Right on. Don't party too much. Stay off of those. Stay off of those margaritas. <laughs> 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 All right, let's move on to uh, other events and announcements. We already talked a little bit about the Masters Hall of Fame. What else do we have for announcements there, Bob? Well, of course, we have uh, Dragon Fest coming up. Woo! Yes, yes, yes. Which is the martial arts convention of the year, of the century. Mm-hmm. And I had a damn pop up come up, so I can't. <laughs> so I can't. I hate when that happens. There we go. <laughs> Guest and vendor list, which is quite extensive this year. Two day event, July 18th and 19th with First Citizens Bank, Artistry of Carol Blaylock, MarshallInfo.com, West Coast Wing Chun with Samuel Kwok. Wing Chun Temple with Clark Tang, one of our guests tonight. Sidekick Publications, Alan Woodman, Jeremy Luz, Hyperactive Monkey Book, Daryl Vidal, The Museum Store, The Stunt People with Eric Jacobus, Way of the Ballad Song with an old training partner of mine, Paul Factura, James Santee, The Underdogs Film with Philip Ree, Ed Parker Jr., Film, The Martial Arts Kid with James Wilson, Film, The Chemist, Art Camacho, Print FX, 2K Customs, Valley Martial Arts Supply, Solomon Kualu, Lua Weapons, Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio, Kane Masters with Mark Shuey, Robert Parham, and at his booth is going to have our guest from last week, Gloria Hendry. Martial Arts Mania, Samurai Sports, that is Dana Abbott. And the featured guest will be Joe Montaigne from uh, Criminal Minds, Steve Oderkirk from Gung Pao and the Fist, Cynthia Rothrock, Benny the Jetter, Keaton, Fumio DeMora, Oliver Gruner, Albert Leong, Douglas Wong, Kerry Ogawa Wong, Don the Dragon Wilson, Art Camacho, Sal Kualu, Philip Ree, Simon Ree, John Tamaki, Carl Totten, Robert Chow, James Liu, Eric Lee, Takaboda, Bill Riyasaki, Cecil People. You know what's just hit me? What's that? James Liu told me he's not getting back until August 1st. So this list may be a little outdated. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> and those are the guests for Dragon Fest this year. It's going to be an awesome event. It is. Very cool. I'm looking forward to that. And that's July 18th and 19th. I want to shout out again about the Pacific Association of Women's Martial Artists Training Camp, uh, August 14th through the 17th in Boulder Creek, California. Wait. Yeah, Boulder Creek, California. I keep you you want to say Colorado, Colorado, don't you? I do. Yes. I want to say Colorado. Boulder, Colorado. Um, at Camp Campbell. 
And um, I suggest uh, ladies, um, and and let me back up a little bit, the Women's uh, Pacific Association of Women's Martial Artists, this is a ladies-only camp. So, sorry, gentlemen, you cannot attend. This is for ladies and girls and teens. Um, I suggest that you guys uh, register as soon as you can to make sure that there's room. Um, because uh, we do have a certain amount of cabins that uh, we have reserved, and we want to make sure that we can accommodate you um, without any problems. So make sure that you uh, that you register. So for more information about who's going to be teaching at the, this year's camp, and we've got some of the best martial arts, uh, women's martial arts instructors in the United States teaching this year, just go to PAWMA.org, P-A-W-M-A.org. And I also want to send a shout-out about one of my Masters Hall of Fame inductees' uh, upcoming seminars. This seminar is going to be um, hosted by Grandmaster Daryl Sargent, who is one of my um, inductees this year for the Masters Hall of Fame. He's actually going to be teaching in Long Beach the day after the Masters Hall of Fame event, so June 7th. He's going to be teaching at the Urban School of Self-Defense at 120 West 7th Street in Long Beach, California. Um, And the seminar is going to, um, it's kind of a workshop. It goes from 10 a.m. until 1. And this is the first annual eye-to-eye gathering of masters. And uh, um, this features uh, Grandmaster Daryl Sargent of the Debi Suru Jiu-Jitsu. He's also the vice president of the family of Sanukas. And uh, the host of another show here um, on Blog Talk Radio, Modern Combat Masters. Um, he'll be teaching, and also Shihan Sahelia Anderson of Sanukas Ru Jiu-Jitsu. And uh, some of the topics that will be covered will be empty hand techniques, ground combatives, and weapon tactics. Now, anyone is invited, all schools, all styles, all arts, you all are welcome, um, all levels of martial arts experience. doesn't matter if you're a first-day beginner or a 40-year practitioner. Come on out. This is good for any anyone from beginners to master ranks. Um, it's $50 in advance. I don't know how far in advance it has to be. Or it's $60 at the door. Um, and if you want to watch only, it's a, it's a $20 spectator fee. And, uh, again, the address at the Urban School of Self-Defense is 120 West 7th Street, Long Beach, California, 90813, and the phone number there is 562-888-3478. And uh, any questions, you can direct to Shihan Zahalia Anderson or uh, Grandmaster Daryl Sargent. Uh, uh, Shihan Anderson's uh, phone number is the school's phone number, which is 562-888-3478. Or you can contact Grandmaster Daryl Sargent at 405 405- Three six seven nine three two zero. So go check it out after the Masters Hall of Fame if you want to uh, learn uh, learn and practice some empty hand stuff, ground combatives, and weapon tactics uh, within Sanukas Ru Jiu Jitsu and uh, Devi Suru Jiu Jitsu. Do it because this is this is cool stuff. I'm afraid I can't go. Grandmaster Daryl Sargent uh, invited me. I can't go. Uh, too much stuff to do before I have to fly back to Seattle. So anyhow, um, and I think that's it for our announcements. And uh, stay tuned, folks, because at around 6.30 or a little bit after, we'll be joined by several masters of the martial arts, some of which have uh, are already online. So uh, stay held on there, uh, masters, uh, and we'll get you on uh, after we're done with our first segment. So just hang on tight. And we're going to be talking about 
martial arts then and now, the evolution of martial arts as seen by several martial arts masters. So I think that'll be very cool. All right. So with that said, I guess we can uh, move on to health news. All right. Summer's going to be starting up soon. But I guess down there in California, for some of you guys, it's uh, it's always summer. So anyway. <laughs> this is true. I, yeah, I guess for this uh, for this uh, health topic, it'll be for people like us over here in the Pacific Northwest where there are distinct seasons. <laughs> so this is all about sunscreen. And uh, with sunscreen, we all know that we're supposed to put it on so it, you know, protects our skin against the sun's UV rays, right? But uh, one thing that we sometimes forget is that sunscreen is just a filter, that's it. It doesn't block all UV rays. And sunscreen shouldn't be used as a way to prolong your time in the sun. And that's that's a common that's a common myth that a, a lot of people have is, oh, I put on sunscreen. I can stay out longer. Okay? Because we have to remember that even with proper use of sunscreen, some UV rays do get through, which is why using other forms of sun, sun protection is also important, such as wearing a hat, wearing long-sleeved, light-colored clothing, um, and so forth. But anyway, you know, sunscreens can come in many different types, you know, lotions, creams, gels, sprays, you know, all that other kind of stuff. But here's the thing, though. No matter what type you get, it's suggested that you have to check the label, okay? Um, and that includes um, makeup because, you know, makeup, ladies, including lipstick without sunscreen, that that makeup isn't going to provide any sun protection. So regarding le- reading the labels, um, you want to always look for sunscreens with broad spectrum protection against both UVA and UVB rays and with a sun protection factor of 30 or higher. So SPF 30 or higher, that's what you want to get. The SPF number, for those of you that, you know, just don't know what it is, Um, It's the level of protection that sunscreen provides against UVB rays, which is the main cause of of sunburn. The higher the SPF number means more UVB protection, although it says nothing about UVA protection. Now, here's how it works, though, regarding the number. A lot of people go, why is there a number? All right. A lot of people go, oh, hey, you know, SPF 50, that's more protection. Well, yeah, but here's why. Okay. If you apply, let's say, for example, SPF 30, sunscreen you get the equivalent of one minute of uvb rays for each 30 minutes you spend in the sun so one hour in the sun wearing spf 30 is the same as spending two minutes in the sun totally unprotected so that's kind of where the numbers come from. And most times people don't even apply enough sunscreen, so so they get actually less protection. Now, sunscreens labeled with SPF as high as 100 are actually available, okay? And like I said, higher numbers do mean more protection, but also, like I said earlier, many people don't understand the SPF scale. So, Um, If we back up a little bit and talk a little bit about the SPF scale, SPF 15 sunscreens filter out about 93% of UVB UVB rays. Say that 10 times fast. While SPF 30 um, sunscreens filter out about 97%. Okay. SPF 50 
blocks out about 98%, and SPF 100 blocks out about 99%. The higher you go, the smaller the difference becomes. And we have to remember that no sunscreen protects you completely. Now, for those of you that want like a really cool tan and stuff like that and get really low SPF, like SPF 15, okay, um, now... Sunscreens with SPF lower than 15 must now include a warning label on this on the label uh, on this label stating that the product has shown only to prevent sunburn but won't prevent skin cancer or skin aging. So, there you go. All right? Um so if you want a tan and think that you'll get a tan quicker if you have lower lower SPF, you're running the risk of damaging your skin or getting skin cancer so be careful out there you guys protect yourself while you're out in the sun because when you burn you cause damage so there you go and that's uh that's my thing about sunscreen now that it's getting uh hotter and more sunny out so with that let's move on to weird news weird news all right what do we got? Well, in in Florida, Davy, Florida, a Florida store owner, store owner took matters into his own hands, tackling a would-be thief outside of a Davy shop. And this wasn't your everyday shoplifter. The thief was hmm. trying to walk out of a public pawn and gun shop with an assault rifle stuffed down his pants. <laughs> 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 Let's be inconspicuous. <laughs> right. And, see, and sometimes when, when something sounds a little strange in the story, you notice how sometimes I'll pause for that dramatic effect so so you can start making your comments about how stupid this moron is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I had to say that, yeah, he's, he's yeah. pretty stupid. Okay, anyhow. <laughs> By the time the thief, by the time he left, I noticed a bulge in his pants. So I followed him out. And, you know, I did. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Okay. You, you realize that there was a reason I didn't pause that time, right? I know, I know, I know. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. So the, the the owner followed him out. Kevin Hughes, I didn't want to have an altercation in the store. Too many customers and employees here. Surveillance video shows 19-year-old suspect Marlon Alvarez inspecting the three-foot-long firearm inside the store for quite some time before stuffing it down in sweatshirt. Father charged after three years, three-year-old son shoots sister. That makes no sense why they wrote that in there. Mm. Hughes said the suspects first tried to get away with another AK-47. He placed the firearm down his pants but then changed his mind putting it back on the display rack and attempted to get away with another Mm. assault rifle. Alvarez then spent a few more minutes in the store and employees said they thought he was acting suspicious. He really Mm -hmm. was more interested in in being left alone or looking for an opportunity to do what he was doing, I guess, said mm-hmm. Alan Werner, an employee of the store. When Alvarez mm-hmm. walked out the door, Hughes followed him. I'm sure if the firearm was loaded, anybody 
can load it, especially if he's putting it down his pants. Right? <laughs> yes. Wow. He could have put one in the, one in the chamber. Yes, Hugh said. That's oh, why man. I got on top of him. You don't know how you you don't have time to react. It can be a scare a scary situation. You just have to react. Right. Alvarez wow. eventually gave up the gun. Hughes took him to the ground, but Alvarez got away running through the parking lot shirtless. David police officers caught up with him a few blocks away. Hughes said he was happy to have the nine hundred dollar rifle back, but not because of the money. If he hmm. took that gun and killed 20 kids tomorrow at his school, I'm responsible for that. So that's not happening on my watch, he said. Alvarez hmm. was charged with grand theft and held on $25,000 bond. The judge later revoked the bond for a May 15 arrest on theft and drug possession charges in Pembroke Pines, Florida Department of Law Enforcement records showed. Now, you have to remember, when I'm grabbing these stories, some of these stories are so poorly written mm-hmm. that some of, <laughs> some of the lines make, like, absolutely no sense. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm trying to stuff a rifle down your pants. I mean, it's one thing to shove a steak down your pants at a grocery store, but to try to get out of there with a rifle? Come on, folks. All right, let's move on to entertainment. All right, what do we got? This I'm, this is a, a long list. But I'm only going to go through a few of them. These are celebrities right. who died but got very little press. Oh, I bet I can name one. Who's oh, one? At least a couple. Uh, Tina Marie. That was on the list. I didn't take it, but she was on the list. Who else? Uh oh gosh, let's see, Tina Marie, and could have sworn someone from the Goonies, uh, one of some kid. Oh God, I forgot the some name. Some kid from the Goonies. I forget the name of them. But the first yeah. one, top of the chart, David Graff. He was the gun-toting nut on police academy movies. Oh, oh my gosh. I didn't know. So, yeah, see? He, no, see yeah, he died in 2001. Yeah. Wow. Uh, let's see. Wendy Jo Sperber. She played Marty McFly's sister in the original. Oh. She wow. died in 05 and 46. Here's a biggie. This is one I'd heard about, though. Lisa Robin Kelly. She played Eric's sister on that 70s show. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Uh, Michelle Thomas. Michelle was a beautiful, vibrant, young African-American actress that played on Cosby and uh, uh, Family Matters. She played oh. she played Myra on Family Matters. She died at like 25. Oh, no. Some rare type of cancer. That bite. Uh, uh, Earl Hindman, he played the... Uh, uh, the guy on uh, Home Improvement, where they never showed his face. Oh, wow. They would only show his eyes. Uh, mm-hmm. Chris Penn, Sean Penn's brother. He died oh. at the age of 40. Oh, man. Uh, and one of the guys on here was ridiculous. It was Leonard Nimoy. Who didn't know Leonard Nimoy died? 
Well, it wasn't, you know, I mean, I think it was, I saw it all over Facebook, but then again, it was primarily the Trekkies that, uh, exactly. you know, yeah, exactly. I mean, it wasn't huge, like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it wasn't huge. Uh, another one, Marsha Wallace from uh, Bob Newhart's show, and she was a voice on the uh, Simpsons. Died hmm. just before his 71st birthday. Michael Clark Duncan. He he did uh, movies, TV, did Sea Spot Run, he did Two and a Half Men, he, he, he died at 54. Uh, Gene Stapleton, from All in the Family, died at the age of 90. Here's oh, one yeah, not many I heard about that. that died. Uh, was Harold Ramis from Ghostbusters. He died in, oh. in uh, last year. Whoa, didn't know that. Wow. And then... There was a couple on here that you knew about, Red Fox, Bill Bixby. Uh, mm-hmm. One that didn't get a lot of press was Gregory Hines, the dancer yeah. and actor. He yeah. died because he was having a liver cancer. Uh, yeah, James Avery hard. died at oh, 68. Man. Uh, Fred Rerun Berry from What's Happening yeah. died in 2003 of a stroke, 52. Yeah, uh, I heard about that. Wow. And the last one is Paul Gleason, an American actor played in many TV shows and films, but most people remember him for his disciplinary assistant principal, Richard Vernon, in the 80s classic movie, The Breakfast Club. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Gone, huh? And those are the actors and actresses that not a lot of people heard of when they died. Yeah, isn't that wild? I mean, like, uh, but then again, like, you know, like uh, a lot of the people, you know, had, had had gone, you know, a little, not past their heyday, but, you know, the, the their popular time was like kind of in the past. So it, it's sad, though, that, that there wasn't that much press. But I think in a way, too, that it's good, kind of leaves the family a little bit of privacy. Um, when I heard Tina Marie died, I was heartbroken because I loved her music. I still love her music. Um, and when Morris yeah, Gibb yeah. died and huh. Robin Gibb died of the Bee Gees, I was like, what? And But it wasn't like a big thing. You know, it wasn't like right. everyone knows that Michael Jackson died. You know, it wasn't like that. It was just, you know, very low key. So. Right. And uh, Tony Collins, one of our guests tonight, just emailed me on Facebook, said that it was uh, uh, David Graff played the role of Tackleberry on Police Academy. Oh, okay. That was his character name. And I'd forgotten. It had been so long since I'd seen a Police Academy movie. Yeah. And that's been... it. And right now we have three on the line, and we're ready to rock and roll. Yes, we do. All right. So let's do this. Let's go ahead and take a very short break, about mm, four minutes or so. And when we come back, we'll uh, find out who's on the line. I think I already know of one. I think uh, Grandmaster Patrick McDaniel is already on with us. And I think we've got another California number and a Missouri number. I just got to figure out who these people are because I don't remember where everybody lives. So anyway, after the break, we'll continue. uh, We'll start our discussion on the evolution of martial arts, martial arts then and now. Don't go away, folks. We'll be right back after this. The Masters Hall of Fame 2015. One of the premier martial arts events on the West Coast. This year's event will be held June 6th, 
2015 at the famed Roosevelt Hotel in Hollywood, California. The Masters Hall of Fame motto is recognizing excellence in the martial arts. And each year, martial artists from many styles are selected by the Hall of Fame to be recognized for their contributions for their communities and for the martial arts world. Tickets are going fast, so get yours now by going to www.mastershalloffame.org. A boy born in Joplin, Missouri was fascinated by anything with wheels and a motor. The odds of him going on to fascinate millions with his talent, one in 260,000. The odds of him having 15 career NASCAR victories, one in 1.7 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism, one in 68. I'm Jamie McMurray, and my niece has autism. Learn more at AutismSpeaks.org signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. You know, a lot of kids in my neighborhood have really bullied me. There's these teenagers around my neighborhood who sometimes just ride around us on their bikes calling, calling us swear words and like throwing stuff at us. He grabbed my jacket just to get in line first, and he was running after me, and then he grabbed me by the hood, and I started choking. I wasn't doing anything. He called me gay because he didn't like me. Bullying is wrong because it like hurts people's feelings, and it makes you feel bad about yourself. It can make someone feel uncomfortable and scare them and make them not want to go back to school. It lowers their self-esteem. And it doesn't just always hurt on the outside. It also hurts on the inside. But do you know what I say when he's bothering me? I say, don't do that. If you don't stop, then I'll go tell the teacher. Stop. Could you please not do that anymore? Just stop. Stop bullying. It is not cool. Hi folks, this is Ristita De Jesus of Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio. And I just want to send a shout out to a good friend of the Dynamic Dojo show, Mr. Justin Harvey. Now Justin's got two big passions in the world, and those are radio and martial arts. A student of Frank Duke's, Justin is a true student of the arts. Now Justin has cerebral palsy, but that doesn't stop him at all. In fact, If somebody says that something can't be done, Justin will just get out there and do it, no matter what. He's the host of The Justin Harvey Show and has had guests such as Cynthia Rothrock, Frank Dukes, Ernie Reyes Sr. and Jr., Eric Lee, and many more. The Justin Harvey Show is syndicated on iTunes, so what are you waiting for? Go check it out. Hi, this is Frank Duke. This is T.J. Douglas Wong. Hi, this is Kumu Lua, Michelle Manu, and you're listening to Rosita and Bob on the Dynamic Dojo Radio Show. The only place to be to get the real scoop on the real things that are going on in the martial arts world. Do you have an idea for a guest or a topic that you'd like to hear on the Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio Show? If you do... You can email your suggestions and ideas to dynamicdojoradiohost at gmail.com or you can also post it on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show. 
with Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio. Just now tuning in, this is Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio with Restita and Robert. Our phone number here is 347-677-0699. And we are going to be talking about martial arts then and now, the evolution of martial arts as seen by several masters. Now, we also have a chat board underneath our Blog Talk Radio show marquee. So uh, feel free to type into the chat board there if you want to say hi to our masters or if you have some comments or questions or or, or want to add to the discussion but can't be on the phone. <clears throat> so, Bob, we've got a blowing up studio board right now. <laughs> so <laughs> what I'm, I'm going to do for all the people that have called in, I call out your area code and uh, please let me know who you are. All right. Now, I know who this is. This is area code 405. This is Grandmaster Daryl Sargent. Grandmaster Daryl, how you doing this evening? How are you, Sifu? Blessings. I'm, I'm doing great. It's good to hear from you. And we also have, thank you. We also have area code 704, and I believe this is Professor Patrick McDaniel. Hello, Professor. Hello, how are you guys doing over there? Really good. All right. Now, I have no idea who area code 408 is, so let me pull up the mic here. Area code 408, who are we speaking with? Hello, it's Master David Reed. Oh, hello, Master Reed. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? Really good. Thanks for calling in. All right, sure. and let's go to area code 816. Who are we speaking with? Hi, this is Derek Brown. I'm Tony Collins' second. Oh, awesome. Nice to nice to hear from you. Awesome. You I think we have one more on the line. It fell below my line of sight here. Area code 417. 417, who are we speaking with? Oops, after <laughs> I'm waiting for the mic to get pulled up. <laughs> the mic I doesn't hope want it to does. pull up. Oh, here we go. Area code four one seven, who's this? Tony Collins. Master Tony, how you doing? Wonderful. How about yourself? Really good. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. All right. I've got everybody's line all nice and labeled, so I don't get everybody mixed up on here. This is awesome. <laughs> So Bob and I just want to thank each and every one of you for joining us today. Um, but I do want to remind us that if we have our computer in the background, it'll give uh, it'll give us some um, feedback. So if you have your computer going on in the background, just kind of turn down the volume a little bit so we don't get a, a, a what do you call it, like a big uh, a circle of feedback. echoes and stuff like that. Feedback. Right. Because I, I can already hear myself. Someone's got their computer. I don't know who. But all right. So the the subject today is the evolution of martial arts, um, as, as how you guys see it. Um, so what I'd like to do first is if um, we could just go right down the line here. Um, why don't we go ahead and, and uh, we'll start with uh, Grandmaster Patrick and go to Master Reed and uh, Master Brown. And uh, if all of you could just briefly tell our listeners what arts 
um, that you are currently teaching and studying and how many years you've been in the arts. That would be great. So let's go ahead and start with uh, Professor Patrick. Hey, it's, uh, it's good to talk to you guys again. Always a pleasure being on the show. And uh, I am uh, a teacher of a style I developed called Kirokai Kimbo, which derives from Kajukimbo. I pretty much keep uh, you know the same uh, characteristics of the self-defense system of Kajukimbo as far as the no-nonsense self-defense system. I uh, really try to uh, implement uh, techniques that are more realistic and uh, more practical and, and efficient, effective uh, on the street the best way I possibly can. So uh, it comes from God's Kimbo and it's Keto God's Kimbo and it's very, very effective as far as getting the message across uh, to dedicated students. You know, and uh, anybody who is dedicated and desire, have, have a strong desire to do their best, well, then I have a desire to make you your best. And that's my ultimate goal. Right on. Very, Very cool. cool. All right, let's uh let's have uh Master uh Master David Reed. Can you tell us about the arts uh that you teach and uh how long you've been doing so? Yeah, sure. Um let's see, I, I teach Tong Sudo and with JKD, Jikundo, and also Tai Chi Chuan. Um I've been doing Tong Sudo now for what over thirty five years. Um and um I started when I was like, uh, about ten years old in judo and then I moved around a lot and then I eventually got uh met a Tongsudo master and kept with it and then and also a JKD instructor. Um and uh my my philosophy is similar to um to some of the other masters here online is that um I try to teach a practical application in terms of self defense and not something that um person learns and then goes out on the street and feels afraid um mm-hmm. I try to do it in a realistic point of view so it is um but it's it's enjoyable and i I love teaching and um I love um actually I like hanging with you guys so it's good no <laughs> we like hanging out with all of you too all right thank you master Reed. and uh let's sure. hear from master derek brown uh what arts do you teach study um, and how long have you been doing so? All right. I teach Akumaru Kempo Karate. I've been studying that for 13 years now under Tony Collins. I've learned a little bit of everything that I can. I try and incorporate as as many useful aspects that blend well with our martial art that I see crop up, just mm-hmm. training with anyone and everyone that I see. And uh, as Master Tony Collins will tell you we are quite innovative and enjoy new ideas. Awesome. Very cool. Now, did um, I, I hate to ask, but did I get your title correctly? Yeah. Or Master, Master Derek Brown, is that correct? Okay. That's correct. Awesome. All right. Let's go to Grandmaster Daryl. Well, I know all about him, but I don't think all our listeners do. So, Grandmaster Daryl, can you tell our listeners about what arts you teach and how long you've been doing so? Uh, sure. Um, jiu-jitsu, um, combat jiu-jitsu, uh, I'm blessed to be the inheritor of uh, the system of uh, the late Grandmaster Billy Davis stemming mm-hmm. from the lineage of Professor V and Dr. Moses Powell, um, as well um, 
I am an inheritor of the Kempo Jutsu system uh, based on the Okinawan Kempo and uh, the Kempo Jiu-Jitsu, uh, mm-hmm. as well as uh, Filipino-Indonesian martial arts. And uh, blessed to have studied with uh, Ahadi Kalini and uh, Mahaguru Cliff Stewart, uh, among many others, uh, Kuya John Bain and I'm a good old Rafi Pamborn and many others. So, um, you know, I've been blessed to, to study a few different things. And uh, uh, you, I get. Did you ask how long uh, I've mm-hmm. been training? Um, I yes, started uh, in about 1973. So uh, I don't know how many years that is now, <laughs> but forty uh, something. <laughs> yeah, it's been a little while. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you. And let's uh, hear from Master Tony Collins. Can you tell our listeners what what arts you study and teach and uh, your years? Well, I've been studying and teaching for, well, studying for about 36 years or a little bit more, uh, teaching for a good portion of that, actually. Um, and as far as arts are concerned, it started out Kenpo Karate and uh, as Master Brown put it, uh, we've branched out and tried to figure out different things that fit and correlate with our martial art really well. And it is our goal to do that very thing, is to just modernize it, make it to where it works in the streets as best as we possibly can. Awesome. Very cool. And let's uh, bring up another mic here. We have Sifu Clark Tang joining us. Sifu Clark, how are you? Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Greeting everyone. I was at a place that has no signal until I, okay, I got signal. I better call now. <laughs> Glad you could join us, Shifu. All right. Can Thank you tell you. our listeners, can you tell our listeners about what, uh, what arts that you teach and how long you've been doing so? Of course. It is my pleasure to share my uh, art with everyone and greeting everyone. Congratulations, everyone, and um, i looking forward to meet you guys soon. Uh, one week. One yeah. week. I'm so excited. One week away. <laughs> I cannot sleep now. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In terms of martial art, my God, I found I remember the first time I ever set my eyes and on Master Tilong, I think four or five, and there I have done many, many martial arts before. It doesn't matter, uh, kickboxing or whatever. However, mm-hmm. my first official public official got black belt is American Kenpo. Oh, right on. And uh, and then I I did, you know, as you know, when you're in martial arts, you just keep going. You never stop. I try uh, Taekwondo. And then uh, Tai Chi. However, I knew because of Master Bruce Lee, I always want to take JKD, but however, JKD, I know the nucleus of JKD is Wing Chun. And I read mm-hmm. so much about Wing Chun, mm-hmm. and uh, I got all of Grandmaster Douglas Wong, believe it or not, before I mm-hmm. even took Wing Chun. Because back then, there was no Wing Chun in Long Beach. This is, mm-hmm. We're talking about 80 people. <laughs> 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 a, little, a little while ago. <laughs> oh, 
until <laughs> until '93, I was so fortunate to find uh, to find my first Wing Chun Sifu. It was mm-hmm. not in Long Beach; it's all the way in Orange County. It is in Sound Valley. It is about 30 to 45 minute drive from Long Beach. So about three times per week. But it's all worth it, my God. From there on, I, I should know wing, and then from here on is. I don't want to say which art is better than any art. It just it, to me, it's just like. Uh, let's see, love in the eye of the beholder. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's fair. That's a fair statement, I believe. But the bottom line is, as you know, I just came from back from uh, Grandmaster Eric Lee's uh, day celebrating oh, right. and right. and I totally agree with him. He said, "You know what? It doesn't matter what kind of style you you take or what you teach or what you study. When a truck hits you." Truck hit you right there. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> and I said to me, you know what? Look, style, everything and all, it's just the name. But the bottom line is it's all science, universal, pure energy. You know that? It, mm-hmm. It's just the way how we express it in different ways. Yeah, exactly. For instance, everyone speaks English here, but... The way we describe things is different, and there is a right or wrong. Well, you know, it depends on how you look at it. But the point is, it's all leading to the same source or the same goal, isn't it? So, mm-hmm. hey, I mean, you right. know. Um, so anyway, so Wing Chun, it has uh, because the reason why I love Wing Chun because of Master Bruce uh, Bruce Lee. However, I found out so much more about Wing Chun. It has both beauty and deadly. And because I love it because it was created by a woman. Right, right. Very cool. And well, I was gonna raised act- by a woman. Only oh, my grandmother well, raised so. me. So I, I understand how the power of the woman is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I uh, the that's uh, uh that's going to be interesting to get into because we're we, we're going to be talking about how yeah. the martial arts have evolved from not not only within the next uh, within the last 50 to 100 years, but you know, all the way from um from the uh uh from the old old days like hundreds of uh, years ago. Yeah. So, yeah. yay, right on. So I want to I want to thank again each and every one of you for joining us on the show today. I just realized that we have like almost 200 years of martial arts experience <laughs> like on our on our wow. board right now. I just realized Yeah, that. yeah, I, yeah I, but but Sifu Rusty, that that's mostly just Patrick. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not 200 years old yet. <laughs> Man, I can't oh, wait Bob. to meet you guys. <laughs> oh, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a blast. This is how our tables are gonna be. So, <laughs> party's it's, over. Uh, it's an ancient table. art. That's why. It's yeah. <laughs> I guess that means we're all ancient. All right. <laughs> all right, I'm going to bring the mic over here to Sifu Bob so that we we can, we can get the we can get the conversation rolling. Awesome. Here we go. Hey. Well, and I I don't, I don't want this next question to go certain places, but 
I want to know from each and every one of you, who, in your opinion, and there's no right, wrong answer, unless you say Chuck Liddell, which I still love, but I want to find out from everybody, who do you think contributed to the martial arts most to try to help the evolution of the art? Well, you're not going to believe me when I tell you that. <laughs> you won't believe me at all. I have the answer to that, but nobody else is going to believe it. Okay, okay. Oh, you love there, Tony. Elvis Presley. Oh, you know, yeah. There yeah. is nobody who did martial arts on stage like Elvis Presley. He That's contributed right. as Ed Parker's bodyguard. He contributed as King Reese's right-hand man. He did so much for the martial arts that he earned his ninth-degree black belt under Ed Parker. From it, from Ed Parker's American Kenpo, and there, there's just nobody out there that's done that much, as far as I that. Know. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know that he got like a ninth degree. I knew he was a black belt, and you know, whenever I was what, I'll admit I watched, you know, uh, Aloha from Hawaii. You know that that special <laughs> that Elvis did. Yeah. I loved the man. And I was like, wow, it looks like he's doing, like, some kind of karate. What's going on? This is kind of cool, right? And then, uh, you know, and then I found out he was a black belt in Kempo. I just didn't know he was ninth degree. That's pretty cool. No, we believe you. (laughs) I believe you um, because uh, the reason why, you know what, come to think of it, I think it is true. Even though the fact is that he, um, his wife Priscilla beat him, I found that out later on. (laughs) Well, you know mentioned the strength of a woman. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, for, so, Professor Patrick, who, in your opinion, uh, contributed the most to the art? Well, uh, I've got to say, of course, I knew about Elvis Presley, but uh, in, in the area where I grew up and, and where I hung, hung around people of martial arts, uh, we knew about Elvis because we were martial artists. But in the uh, and, and the outside the box of martial arts, I, I'm going to have to say Grandmaster June Lee and Bruce Lee. You know, oh, yeah. The, yeah. Yeah, people outside the box of martial arts saw those two, you know. So that's who I've got to, I've got to associate that with. But uh, June Lee and Bruce Lee. Right on. Very cool. Uh, D- David, what's your opinion? Yeah. I would have to say, um, besides Bruce Lee and Junior, I would have to say Pat Morita and the uh, Karate Kid films uh, martial arts yes. throughout um, the world. I mean, I had tons of kids coming into my classes back then saying, mm-hmm. I'm joining because I saw this movie and I want to do what he did. So, I would have to agree with the, the youth in the martial arts, uh, the Karate Kid movies. That was phenomenal for kids in the martial arts. It really was. It was. Definitely. Absolutely. That really shows the strength in media. It's like my uh, my wife runs a pet store. So after, like, let's say Beverly Hills Chihuahua came out, all of a sudden everybody came in wanting Chihuahua. <laughs> right. <laughs> Same way, right? It was martial right, arts. Right. You see the Karate Kid 1, 2, and 3 or, or Rush mm-hmm. Hour or any of the, the – the Jet Li movies, and all of a sudden there's an influx of people that want to study martial arts because they want to do those. They want to learn how to jump 30 feet in the air like the old guys did on the wire. Oh, <laughs> right. 
<laughs> Wait a minute, you're you're saying that they don't really jump over houses and fences? Somebody needs to tell Tony Jaw that. Well, Derek, I, I know you may be the youngest one of us, but uh, what's your opinion on the evolution and who really contributed to the art? Oh, I would say one of the biggest contributors. I'd have to go along and say Bruce Lee is a major contributor. And one of my reasons behind that is simply because before him and, and long after him, a vast portion of the martial arts community has practiced on doing what their instructors did in just a simply a more perfect manner. There's still a huge sense of dogma in the martial arts community, and that's fine Mm -hmm. because let's say you take a Tai Chi form. The Tai Chi form can be practiced exactly as it's supposed to be for years and years, and you'll always find more perfection. Mm -hmm. But Bruce Lee had... I, I'd i like to say a sense of wonderment, which I think is one of the most awesome things a person can have, is really devoted to martial arts. And he was not afraid to go out of bounds. I mean, he he took his stance from fencing. Mm-hmm. Nobody else would take a, a Western martial art, Western sword play, and use that as their stance when they've trained under masters like Ip Man. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So that that type of approach to martial arts, that sense of wonderment, understanding that we all came from the same place. I mean, basically, Bodhidharma passed down a very simple form, and we all have his elements in whatever we do. So it, there's absolutely nothing wrong with sitting back and thinking, you know what? This this footwork that I'm using is kind of a little bit like Bagua. Maybe I should just add a little bit more Bagua into my footwork since it's already mm-hmm. there. What more can I accomplish with the smallest change? Mm-hmm. So very I would cool. say Bruce Lee. Very awesome. cool. Awesome. Uh, Grandmaster Daryl, you've uh, been around uh, a day or two, I must say, and, and you started with some unbelievable martial arts. Mm-hmm. Well, who, in your opinion, from your experience, contributed uh, and may, maybe even changed history in the martial arts? Um, it's hard to like to like really narrow it down. Um, uh huh. A lot of things I think about, like I look at James Cagney in the very early movies mm-hmm. in his in his display mm-hmm. of judo. I look mm-hmm. at people like Ed. Ed Parker, who was on I Love Lucy, and, Mm -hmm. you know, so many people had never even heard of karate before and had a chance to see whatever little demonstration he did with, you know, Lucy and Ethel. And Mm -hmm. then I also, of course, you know, I I think of Chuck Norris because anybody, even so many non-martial artists have watched Chuck Norris movies. And so, you know, he's one that stands out as, as uh, prevalent in in that realm that people know left, right, and center. So mm-hmm. you know, there's it's it's hard to narrow it down, but those three just came to mind. Awesome, awesome. you're absolutely right. 
Tony, we already heard from what? What about you, Seafood Clark? Me? Oh my gosh! If you hear me, you will not believe it. Okay, I understand that Elvis Presley has a contribution there. I understand that. Master Bruce Lee, I agree with that. And also, Master Chuck Norris, I agree with that. And many other individuals, I agree with that. However, to me, don't think as time, we're thinking about who contribute a lot. I think to me, those people, they contribute as an individual. When it comes to the people that uh, contribute a lot to martial arts, I, I think it's the Martial Art Museum, Master Masuda mm. and you guys. Because you guys put things together as a team. You see that? So mm-hmm. you guys are the one contributes to martial art the most, from my opinion. Aw. Wow. Aw. Wow. That was, that, that Look, was a surprise to like, hear. Like when I talk <laughs> to Master Masuda, you guys, you guys take it to the big scale. You understand that? Bring martial art to the world. Look. Every this is a dream for every martial art to bring it to everybody, but none, none could make it. So what they do is individuals, but you guys. Now, that's something big Aww. contribution. And you know what? This is gonna be forever. You guys make us like you know acknowledge us and all all other martial artists. Some people I've seen a lot of martial artists that they work so hard like my my Sifu, my first Sifu. He gave his whole life to Wing Chun. At the end he broke and nobody even acknowledged him. Right. To me that's a heartbroken. And you guys make that happen. You know how that is? My God. Oh. That's cool. <clears throat> now um I'm just uh, I've been hearing from instructor uh Peter Reif. On Facebook, um, he was supposed to be joining us on the chat board. I don't know if he's on the chat board right now, because uh, they're having like this wild lightning thunderstorm down by where he lives, and his signal keeps dropping. <laughs> his signal keeps dropping, and uh, he's got the kids with him, so he can't call in. Um, so he's like trying to like communicate with me via Facebook. And he's like, okay, I'm on Skype. And I'm like, well, you can't call me because I'm – it'll be two different You're phone calls. Skype. Yeah, and, but the thing was – the thing is, though, as I told him, you know, if you get on Skype, it's, it's a phone call. And if you can't be on the phone because you have the kids, it's, you know, it's not going to work very well. So um, I just typed now, in the now chat I have, board. Now, I have my opinion on this question, though, Rusty. Yeah, I, I do, too. So what's, what's yours, Bob? I believe two of the biggest contributors – because you know how it all runs downhill is one is Judo Dean LaBelle, that yep. was one of Bruce Lee's instructors, and mm-hmm. the other one is Arc D. Wong. That yeah. was the first first one to teach the, the, to teach Kung Fu to, to Westerners mm-hmm. out here. I like he that. Broke the, he broke the barrier. Yeah. Uh, that's a good one, actually. That's a good one. Um, I'm gonna go back to like the late 1800s, and I'm gonna um, and you know there are many pe- many people that have contributed, but one person that sticks out um, as someone that has contributed to martial arts, as people kind of know it today, with you know belts and stuff like that, is uh, Jigoro Kano um, of judo, who uh, took what he learned and, and made it different enough so 
other people could learn it, like the younger set, and develop the, the belt system and and stuff like that, and uh, geese and all that other kind of stuff. So I'm going to throw Jigoro Kano into that mix also uh, that brought the grappling a little more to the to the forefront of how we know martial arts in the United States. So yeah, all, and, and weren't, weren't you actually there? Uh, oh. oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> All right, you get, you get one you of these. You got the on? Yeah. If you're going to meet this woman here in a few days, you realize that, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, she's staying around. <laughs> oh, okay, so that's two old, uh, old jokes by Bob. That's awesome. Okay, now, <laughs> see what I got to deal with, you guys? Oh, my gosh. Now, <laughs> so, now uh, since, since we <laughs> – so let's, let, let's, um, let's uh, take the converse, conversation into, like, a little bit of a broader scale uh, because all of these martial arts, you know, uh, have all um, – you know, trickle down as Sifu Bob puts it, and as can, and have contributed to um, offshoots of martial arts and and you know people studying martial arts, especially the media. So let's talk a little bit about the media now. Uh, what are your What are your guys' thoughts about how the media portrays the martial arts? I know uh, Grandmaster Daryl uh, brought up James Cagney, um, Ed Parker Jr. Um, in those old movies where people were like, oh, my goodness, you know, the the exotic Asian, what, what, what did they call it back then in the comic books? The exotic oriental arts, right? Um, but there, there's so many other, so, there's so many other ways that the media from, you know, years and years and years ago up until now have portrayed martial arts or have shined a light on martial arts. So what are your guys' thoughts on that? Why don't we... Why don't we go backwards down the list? Why don't we go ahead and start with Sifu hmm. Clark Tang and uh, get his um, idea on how the media has contributed to the way we see martial arts now. Sifu Clark? Sure. Um, to me, according to let's see, the martial art and the media, mm-hmm. now this, let's go back to the 50, the 60, and 70, or the 80 even. Mm-hmm. I believe when and when we talk about martial art back then, we're talking about fighting the violent part of it. Because a mm-hmm. lot of media, that's what it sells, is just a violent part. You know, who's a good fighter, who's the best fighter, and all of that. You know, that mm-hmm. the media portray all, all of that. And I think that's one of the essence of martial art. As Master Jetley put it, martial art gets to stop the fight. But I believe that the media, even though they try very hard to to put a message there, said, you know what, You're, it is about violence, but it is for honor, for goodness, by using martial art. You know that? And, mm-hmm. and as, as the audience, I believe that, Sometimes you miss all of that message, like stuff like, okay, violent, who's going to be good, who's going to be, you know, who's a good best fighter. But mm-hmm. the martial art as a, as a total, it just, to me, it's more than just a fighting, you know that? Right. It's about a life itself, about how, as I, as I told my student all the time, you know what? You know, like, there's two, two streams of fighting right now, uh, you know, martial art. One is, like, for example, um, 
a fighter's martial art, which is like MMA or boxing, where you train, you go to box a certain way. You, you have to fight in the ring, you know that? Right. And that's seasonal. It, come, it comes and goes. You train and then stop. But I say the other kind is martial arts self-defense, like we doing, like like Master Reed doing, and everyone doing. It's self-defense. It's not to go to the ring and fight. You know, that's different. But I said, the battle, trust me, the fighting, it's not stop, uh, you know, um, the 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 uh, the fighting is stopped when the season stops, right? But our mm-hmm. self-defense martial art is never stopped because life, you will face all the battle. Mm-hmm. You know, you go to work, people say a lot of stuff to you, and you know what? You can get really emotional and tangled with that. But right. martial art taught us, you know, what self-defense, you know, like, self-control. So to me, you see that, that's a battle. Mm-hmm. Life is a battle, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> so mm-hmm. my my message is I wish that media, like, can contribute more, like martial artists, more than just a fighting, but, you know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's my thing about that. Oh, cool. Very cool. I, I agree. If the media, uh, you know, just uh, took a little more time to, to mm-hmm. highlight the – the other stuff other than like your kung fu sucks mine is better you know, <laughs> you know stuff like that i think it would be i think it would be better all right <laughs> now so, the only um, movie that i don't know you guys seen i'm sorry about 15 more seconds you guys seen it called hot dog kung fu i don't know you guys seen this is during the 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 80s hot it's kind dog of a weird title kung hot dog kung hot fu. dog <laughs> I haven't seen it. Has anybody else? <laughs> anybody? No. They may have heard of this. <laughs> I, I've but never that heard movie of it. Pro- but that movie is portrayed, you know what, about self, uh, uh, what do you call it, self-patient. He, he is a good martial artist. That movie depicts, he's a good martial artist. He kills a lot of people. He fights a lot of people. But later he chooses to be like, be a common people, but. You know, and he always forced himself to get into a fight to show, but he never, never until toward the end he said, "Okay, now I cannot take any more martial art. Have used to defend all the, you know, the innocent." But check it out, called Hot Dog Kung Fu. I think it's the coolest movie. <laughs> okay, I'll have to check it out. See, <laughs> we'll have to see where it's playing. All right, all right. Thank you, Sifu. Let's um, yes. let's hear from uh, Master Tony Collins. What are your uh, What are your thoughts about the media and martial arts? Well, to me, media means a lot of things. As a, for instance, he was talking about movies and how the movies portray the martial arts, and we've seen that change a little bit. I think from like the seventies and eighties until now. Because back mm-hmm. in the 70s and 80s, you had things like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and things, and they were what I would call moderately violent, but they all had a message to them. They had an underlying mm-hmm. message of, well, this is they use this violence for a good reason or for a good cause. Right. And then as you, as you come more toward the modern day and toward the influx of things such as MMA and stuff like that, you get more into ego. And don't get mm-hmm. me wrong, there's a few movies out there that steer away from that, such as Ip Man and things like that. But the vast majority of them have gone so far into ego that I won't even watch them anymore. Because mm-hmm. it's not that's not martial arts to me. If it's I egocentric, agree. it has nothing to do with what we teach. I it agree. has everything to do with people showing off their muscles and showing what they can do, either in a ring or in the street. 
And although we train our students to be able to, you know, defeat somebody in the street, that's not the all underlying goal of what we do. The mm-hmm. goal of what we do is to never have to use it. Mm-hmm. And the, when mm-hmm. the media portrays it like that, when they portray it as this is exactly what you should be doing or this is how this movie is because of this, then that's what people are starting to look toward and call martial arts. And I'm sorry, but I don't call that martial arts. Mm-hmm. I call that fighting. Right. Very good. Very cool. All right. And uh, Grandmaster Daryl, what are your thoughts on how the media portrays martial arts? Well, I guess my my thought process is a little bit different because I feel like part of it has evolved. I feel like uh, with radio shows that we have going on, Mm -hmm. we are able to bring a different light to the martial arts and to all different aspects of the arts, uh, mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, healing, all the different facets that we <clears throat> have the opportunity to share with us, with our students. So I think that this, uh, the radio shows, are uh, a form of, of media that uh, is positive in trying mm-hmm. to bring to light all the other facets uh, to, to help grow the arts and grow the uh, students within the arts too. Agreed. Agreed. That's one that's one of the reasons Bob and I uh decided to um do this show too was to get the uh the message of martial arts out there and to to you know help build the community of martial arts again mm-hmm. as opposed to like, you know, this style over here, that style over there, but to bring everyone together as a community because, you know, um I I'm a firm believer in that, you know, martial artists you know, we're 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 all kind of like a kind of like a different personality, so to speak. You know, <laughs> I, I that's 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 the only way I can I can think of it. You know, we're you know we we have our priorities and what we do and why we love what we do and the passion that we have for the martial arts. You know, as well as you know the other people having passion and other things, um, but not everyone does martial arts, so. You know, mm-hmm. me and Bob figured that, well, you know, you've got, like, fighting over here, you got fighting over there, you got infighting within the same style over here. You know, why not just use radio and the media to try and bring everyone together wow. um, again? Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome, so, awesome. So I, I agree, Grandmaster Daryl, the, wow. the, the radio. I mean, you know, these podcasts and stuff. Your show um, is definitely one of the ones that I think everyone should listen to, Modern Combat Masters, because, um, you know, they, they're doing the same thing. They're bringing the community um, together. So check that out. Had to shout out for Modern Combat Masters or Grandmaster Daryl. So. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. Wow. Right on. All right. You guys are doing a good job anyway. just want to let you know. This is... You guys doing a true martial artist. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, sometimes, you know, doing the show feels like kata. You know, it feels yes. like a form. It does because, you know, here's me me and Bob know exactly where we need to be at what time. And we have yeah. to know how to make this board work and what to do if things mess up. It's exactly like martial arts. <laughs> so you're going to tell me that you do kata in your pajamas. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that, 
that's kind of an inside <laughs> joke because last week I was doing this show in my pajamas. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's, let's hear that's from That's why that's a radio, not TV. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we don't want TV. We don't <laughs> Hey, I have I have regular clothes on now. I'm I'm I, I can be seen on TV now. So you know, I'm sorry, but you're not convincing me of that at all. No. <laughs> I have to <laughs> show. Oh my! God. I hope you all are wearing clothes too. <laughs> oh wait, that didn't sound right. Hold on. No, <laughs> I didn't. Uh, I don't okay. have a bag of Cheetos. Sorry. Oh, there. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, let's hear from Master Derek Brown. Master Derek, what what are your thoughts on the media and the martial arts and their contributions to it? Well, I think the previous masters who spoke before me uh, made a very huge amount of sense. The best I can do is to kind of rehash what they said in a little bit of a different way, and that is that right now the emphasis is put on the aggressor. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, when you see either a martial art movie or you see, you know, or you're watching MMA, who are your your heroes? They're the aggressors. They're the ones who actually go out, oftentimes initiating conflict in MMA. Of course, that's always the case, mm-hmm. and it's much it's much more rare of a situation to see uh, somebody fight purely out of self defense, purely to protect themselves and others. Mm-hmm. And the media is smart. They're doing that for a perfect reason. It's a lot easier to inspire right. somebody to violence than it is to inspire them to charity. Right. Correct. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 So that isn't entirely the media's fault. It's just, you know, the consensus of our culture. Mm-hmm. But, you know, on the same token, there are some real gems out there currently in the media and there's there's a smaller movement as far as more wholesome depictions of the martial arts go mm-hmm. and oh. uh, I think that uh, some people are start waking up to the fact that being able to beat somebody up is not nearly as impressive as being able to resolve a conflict in a very sensible way. Even if that does wind up becoming somewhat violent, there's plenty of stopping points that a person can reach before Mm -hmm. breaking bones and maiming people. And we all know how easy it is, even Mm -hmm. in sparring, just going a couple percent over what you should and something breaks. Mm -hmm. It's so... You know, on the camera, it's really cool. But in real life, you don't feel so good when something like that happens. Mm-hmm. It's true. I can't get your nose out of my mind now, Derek. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of broken things. <laughs> well, and, and with that, Rusty, I want to put a shout-out because he said gem, so I'm going to put another shout-out to a gem in the martial art. Kuma Lua Michelle Manu is mm-hmm. listening to the show. I tried to get her to call in, but she is listening. Now, let's go to Professor Patrick. What do you think about media in the martial arts? Well, 
the uh, I I totally agree with uh, everything the previous masters have, have mentioned. You know, just you know, every time somebody would bring a different topic up, it would just kind of open my mind up to certain things that came across uh, my experience. You know, over forty years of of martial arts and the media is what got my attention. So I have to start there. It is what got my attention. Um, and going back to I Spy, you know, because uh, the oh, I Spy show. Yeah. You know, they even mm. used, you know, karate chops is what people called it back then. And, you know, James Bond and, you know, so. Uh, but what happens when, as an instructor, and students come into your dojo, not everybody, but, you know, a lot of them, uh, they have this, they have this, uh, this this image of what we're going to teach them, something magic. So we have to deprogram them because the media has made them think that there's a, there's a certain magic to karate. And then we have to deprogram that and say, well, to master the system, the magic is hard work. I'm not teaching you a magic trick. It's hard work. It's pushing. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. it's punches a thousand times. It's kicks a thousand times. It's, it's hitting that mat, breaking fall, and when you do spar, you might get a cut lip and a jam toe, you know. So you just kind of have to deprogram it because the media, as far as uh, as far as movies, they make the fighting scene so clean. No, nothing is that clean, <laughs> you know. A, a fight is a fight, and it's ugly, you know. And, and uh, that's you know, part, I'm, I'm delighted to hear so much Kempo on because uh, you know that's where I come from. So. Yeah, I, I thought I was going to be in a, in a clashing conversation with a lot of different martial artists. But no, there's a lot of experience here from Kimpo as well. And uh, a lot of the, the Kung Fu elements as well, because that's what I said if you got your Kimpo. So uh, very good points have been made. Very cool. Awesome. I do have one thing to add as far as media goes. Mm-hmm. Yes, please. And that is when I first uh, met my instructor, Tony Collins, my cousin ran up to me at 15, we're both the same age, and he said, Derek, Derek, you got to meet this guy. This guy knows all the stuff from Dragon Ball Z. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, wow. I want a Pokeball. Oh, wait, that's different. That's not. Never mind. That's Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. <laughs> now, I for, I forgot. Did we did we hear from Master Reed about Master Reed? Did we hear no. about your opinion? Okay, that's what I thought. I'm no, like, no, we no. skipped somebody. I know we did. So, Master Dave, can you tell um, us about your thoughts about the media and the martial arts? Yeah, I would have to say my first experience when I was a kid was the movie Five Fingers of Death. And um, oh, yeah. when that came out, oh, yeah. I was like, all the kids at school that were, I was, I, was getting, I was being bullied a lot, and I was getting beat up and my lunch money taken. And so um, I had a friend, a close friend, who started training with Chuck Norris. And um, he started showing me all these kicks and stuff, and I said, so what is it that you're actually learning Oh, I think we, Master Master uh-oh. Reed's line had dropped. So, uh, Bob, do you happen to have his? Uh, I didn't write down his cell phone number. I don't even know if he was calling from his cell phone. 
Um, is there some way? Well, he probably, can, like, he probably <laughs> was. I don't have his cell phone on me. But he'll oh, be okay. calling back. There he is now. Oh, there he is. Okay. Let me bring his mic up here real quick. Let me find it. Oh, there we go. Okay. 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 Master Reed is back. <laughs> yeah. So, so what I was saying was, um, I had I I was being beat up a lot in school, and so uh-huh. um, I started paying a kid to uh, for a bo- as a bodyguard. Uh-huh. And okay. my lunch money. Be- yeah. So I met this other kid who said he trained with Chuck Norris and also Ron Marchini in Rembukai. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. so he started p- teaching me private lessons. So. So I had seen this movie, Five Fingers of Death, and I told him about it, and he's like, well, that's not what we learn in martial arts. We learn how to defend ourselves, but we also learn how not to be afraid. Mm-hmm. And so the first show that really affected me was this TV show, Kung Fu, because it mm-hmm. taught a philosophy as well as self-defense. was about being a peaceful warrior. It wasn't mm-hmm. about going around killing people. And I think even today, there hasn't really been any kind of TV show that focuses on the philosophy of martial arts. At, you know, most movies and shows are just about, you know, competition or fighting or revenge, right? They, they mm-hmm. go out and they someone killed their master, so now they're going to go kill their master. You right. know, like, and so um, David Carradine really had an effect on me in that, that TV show as a kid. It really... Um, made me realize why I, I wanted to study martial arts. And um, I think uh, it definitely had a positive impact on me and my friends. Yeah. So it's great. Very cool. Very yeah, I mean, cool. how could we forget wow. the Kung Fu TV series? I mean, that was, that was, you know... Mm. Like I'm sure all I'm sure all of us have seen the Kung Fu TV series and for me it was All of them. Yeah, all mm-hmm. of them. And I still watch them. I'll like pull them up on YouTube and I'll be like, "Oh, I'll watch this one." And including you know, Kung Fu the Legend continues. You know, yeah. 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 I I watched yeah. that one too. <laughs> I watched that one too. Although, you know, I just didn't think it was as cool as the original one. But yeah, they tried to modernize it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was it, I mean, it was cool. And stuff like that, but just not as cool as the original one. But right. uh, but that was what uh, one of the things that made me want to do uh, kung fu, right? Mm. You know, uh, other than Bruce mm-hmm. Lee, of course. I mean, Bruce Lee was, you know, I had Bruce Lee posters everywhere, you know, <laughs> 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 when I was a kid. Uh, but yeah, definitely that 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 uh, I think it was every Thursday night. Uh, back then, yeah. every Thursday night over here, at least in Seattle, my dad and I would park ourselves in front of the TV and watch Kung Fu. And my dad would ask me questions. What do you think Master Po meant by that? You know, and it was <laughs> kind of his way of like just making me think about, you know, about the philosophy. It was pretty cool. Anyhow, wow. very cool. Now, now, something was just said, Rusty, which actually is a good segue to the next question I want to ask. Uh, mm-hmm. Tony had said they they tried to modernize it from the old TV show. Uh-huh. Now mm-hmm. we've all gone through an evolution in our arts individually, as a group, as a full, as a whole art. But mm-hmm. I want to find out everybody's opinion about the evolution from when they started to today, including the influence and the impact that MMA has had on the martial arts community. Let's start oh. with Professor Patrick. Good question. 
Well, good yeah. Good point. It, it, yeah, very good, very good point. And it was mentioned uh, earlier, you know, the MMA effect, and uh, I, uh, I, I don't, I don't like it personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I am a, a stickler for, you know, the more traditional, the more traditional concept of martial arts. Mm-hmm. I, I am for modernizing. I am for growing with the world, but to uh, to sustain uh, the tra- traditional concept of martial arts, I think keeps your keeps your spirituality spirituality in check. Uh, and I don't I don't like that the big uh, uh, a tough man concept that I see with the MMA. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, they, they are well trained fighters. They they do their thing well, definitely, uh, and I you know commend them for that. But as far as the, the traditional martial arts concept, uh, that kind of disturbs me. Uh, the evolution from my period of training in the 70s uh, to now is what I miss is uh, how martial arts would come together no matter what style you were as far as dojos. I remember mm-hmm. training with taekwondo schools. I remember you know, training with uh, Konami Ru schools, and we would visit each other's schools, and it was no problem. There were no mm-hmm. ego trips. If we were martial arts, you know. It's hard to find that now. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I kind of miss that, you know what I mean? Right. Good point. <clears throat> Very good. Right on. Uh, That's well, a world Professor I never lived McDan- in. Well, Professor McDaniel, do you think we have taken a step backward then? Now we're allowing the world to be exposed to the violent side of what the media portrayed 30, 40 years ago? I do think that's going backwards. I really do. I think it's going backwards. Uh, I think it's leaving an ill impression on on martial arts and what people expect when they when they call you dojo now. One of the main questions now is, uh, do you train MMA? You know, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Exactly. Oh my goodness. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right, Ooh, I gotta I gotta get my list up here. Who do we have next on our list? It is oh, it looks like uh, Master Derek. What are your thoughts on? Um, how, well, how did you how did you word that question, Bob? Uh, the, the evolution of martial arts, ending with how MMA has affected the growth or the outcome to where we are now. Okay. <clears throat> The influence well, of my, MMA. Okay. Absolutely. Well, and that's uh, that's exactly where I have to speak from because, well, the age of fifteen. Let's see, that was maybe two thousand two for me. Um, not too terribly long ago. But I uh, had some. Huge influences as far as uh, Bruce Lee movies, animes, and and uh, you know your good old Jackie Chan movies. Mm-hmm. And those were fantastic. They made me interested in martial arts, not just to learn how to go beat somebody up. Mm-hmm. The fights that I'd been in before I got into martial arts, I'd never really had a problem. I hadn't even received my first beat down when I started at 15. Mm -hmm. But uh, I I will just come out straight and say it. Yeah, MMA is horrible for traditional martial arts. I don't just mean traditional in the sense that 
oh, it's the exact same martial art that's been practiced for 200 or 2,000 mm-hmm. years. Right. But those with traditional values, it, it has done a lot to destroy it because or damage it because now what's the big thing everyone wants to do? They want to go fight MMA. Mm-hmm. You've got a ton of amateur MMA fighters, and, uh, you know, if they win, they win. What they were doing was good enough. But that's good enough is not the goal in exactly. traditional martial arts. Very cool. Very cool. Now, I do want to bring on somebody that, that he does want to say a few words because we're okay. everybody's an inductee on the board right now. And let me bring his mic up. This is Hanji Dan Hecht. He is the CEO of the Masters Hall of Fame. Hanji Dan, good evening. How are you doing? Hi, Just give me, a, give me one second. I'm plugging in my headphones real quick. Hold on. Okay. Oh, <laughs> Live radio. Click. Gotta love it. Yep. Click. <laughs> At least we haven't, dr- well, we did drop one call, but I haven't dropped yet. I think there I we go. There we go. <laughs> All right. Okay, Hanji. Yes, we can. We have on the line with us. The inductees for this year, and I will name them, Professor Patrick McDaniel, uh, Grandmaster Daryl Sargent, Master Tony Collins, Sifu Clark Tang, Master David Reed. Those are our inductees that are on the line with us right now. Congratulations, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm uh, glad to be on the show with you and celebrate this uh, incredible opportunity uh, and uh, recognition of me recognizing your uh, achievements in the martial arts. And uh, I thank Rusty and, and Robert for hosting the uh, Dynamic Radio Show. Dynamic, is it Dynamic Dojo Radio Show? Correct. Mm-hmm. I, I keep getting it wrong, right, Rusty? <laughs> <laughs> it's only been three years, but, you know, I'm going to switch it later. <laughs> yeah, you're just getting it now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So what do you guys? Uh, I just got on the on the um, call. What are you guys talking about? I heard something about amateur MMA and. Yeah, well, well we're talking about the work. evolution. Oh, go ahead, Bob. Okay. Yeah, that's exactly right. We're talking about the evolution because we've got some long time, forty, fifty year martial artists on the line, and we're trying to talk about the evolution within their own art, within their own classes and then how the influence of MMA has affected the martial arts of today. Yeah, yeah as see, a whole. I, I, I heard the, the last uh, uh, callers, uh, I don't know who it was, I think it might have been uh, Grandmaster Sergeant, Bill Sergeant, but saying that and he finds that the amateur MMA is, is a, a negative. Um, I, I see it has some negative, but I also see tremendous positive in the amateur MMA. Uh, you know, when we were coming up, it, and I'm, I've been in the martial arts for a long time as well. You know, we trained five, six hours a day, and conditioning was probably 80% of what we did, mm-hmm. right? We don't do that today in today's dojos, in, in the strip mall dojos, and, you know, they, they have an hour-and-a-half class, and you warm up on your own. I, I recently mm-hmm. went to a school here in uh, Ohio, and, you know, this is a brand-new uh, – well, it wasn't really a school. It was the police academy, teaching defensive mm-hmm. tactics, right? And these are brand-new recruits, never had any type of martial arts training that we know of, 
And the instructor said, warm up on your own. And I'm, you know, and I, if, if for the people that don't know, I moved to Ohio and took over a position out here and I have to do some of the training again that's state-specific. But because it's a wrestling control, I'm like, I'll do this too, you know. It's, mm-hmm. it's what I do. It's stuff, stuff that I love to do. And, and I was shocked at the fact that, you know, this is part of a martial art, you know, truly a martial art, teaching wrestling control. And the instructors told the uh, prospective police officers that are going to go in the field to warm up on their own. Mm-hmm. And they had no mm-hmm. idea what they were doing. Right. So, you know, if um, we back that out just a little bit, think about when we came up. You know, you had a, you trained for two, maybe three hours a night. Right. And the, the first hour and a half to two was conditioning. Set right. up, push-ups, and drills. Mm-hmm. We don't do that anymore. Um, and then, you know, one of the wake-up points was from one of my uh, third-degree black belts that wanted to fight in the cage, and we got him an MMA, MMA match. And, uh, you know, this guy, he was – I called him the Titan. I mean, he, he had great hands, great technique, great kicks. I thought he was just going to, you know, fight a couple amateur – fights and go right into the pro route, pro route. He got beat by somebody that trained for six months because he didn't, he had never been hit really. Mm-hmm. We, did, we don't hit that way anymore. And right. the guy, the guy mounted him and started pounding him. He did the Frankenstein on the ground and they pulled him off. He, he could have survived the round. He should have survived the round, but you know, it's amateur and no one wants to get an amateur hurt. You know, so they didn't wait for him. If there had been one more second, the, the, the bell rang as he cleared him from the, Clear the guy off of him. And he, you know, I would have sit him in the chair and said, what are you doing? Keep your distance. Throw the round kick. Mm-hmm. Keep your hands up. You know, don't let this guy crowd you into the cage. And, and he would have made it to the round. But the guy's never been back in the ring since. So, you know, do I like the fact that anybody can fight MMA? Not really. But I really like what it's doing for people that are training, saying, look, if we're going to compete in this world, we need to put conditioning. That's one of the reasons I like mm-hmm. this so much. Is it pressure tested? You know, you just you don't you can't just go through a three year curriculum and and get a get a black belt in jujitsu. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just doesn't happen. I mean, you're pressure tested, and that's what I like about it. And that's what when I came up when I was uh, when I earned my black belt, it took me eight years to earn a black belt, and I fought uh, the New Jersey State uh, Police. Olympic guy, you know, the police Olympics from New Jersey State. He was the karate champion from New Jersey State. Because I was a policeman at the time, that's who my sparring guy was for, for my black belt. I had to fight this beast of a guy. Uh-huh. And we don't do that anymore. You know, mm-hmm. When I was testing, uh, somebody asked me to, to, to promote their son. Their, uh, they wanted his son to get his third degree. They wanted him to train under us and, and get his, his black belt under us. And when I gave him the test, so this is what we're going to do, the father was like, oh, wait a minute. Well, I don't want that for my son. I don't want him to get hurt. Well, that, the test was three and a half hours long, as we expected. For a third down, that's about right. And, uh, yeah. you know, with all these different sparring, right? And he, you know, he thought it was going to be a 20-minute test. How's the guy that here? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> like, that's, that's everybody's right. dream on this board right now. Because it's like everyone's like, I <laughs> 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 Oh man, yeah, you know that that's a good point, um, Hanshi Dan. About uh, uh, there are, you know, I, I will agree that there are, you know, some positives to um, MMA outside of the, you know, once you take the ego out of it and stuff like that. 
Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's hear from everybody else about uh, their opinion on how um, things have evolved into MMA or how MMA is, uh, is contributing to the rest of martial arts as we know it. Uh, why don't we hear from, I forgot where we left off. <laughs> Grandmaster Daryl's up next. Grandmaster Daryl, what are your thoughts on um, how MMA is and, and um, its evolution from traditional arts and all that other cool stuff? Well, my perspective on on mixed martial arts is is uh, is it's mixed. Um, I believe that that any truly uh, whole rounded traditional art will have all the components. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will have aspects of grappling, whether it's from a chuite or whether it's from a standing grappling. Even in the Filipino arts, we have mm-hmm. the puno and dog uh, aspects. Um, so I believe that the relevancy of, of MMA would be in trying to make a realistic thing. When when you hear the, the story of the the uh, first guys that kickbox of Joe Lewis and, and Bill mm-hmm. Wallace and speaking to them, they they spoke about the the evolving from the point karate where they were playing tag to mm-hmm. a place where they felt like they can go ahead and bang a little bit. So mm-hmm. And from that component, uh, they might not have been doing throws and takedowns. So the next evolution going into MMA gave that allowance. But when you look back at traditional art forms, all those components were all a part of those mm-hmm. things and probably done in sparring every day. I know we did in New York. We we did that with Dr. Powell and, and with Soaky Little John Davis and Brian Van Cleef and all these guys, we that was part of our everyday training. We, there was no such thing as a mixed martial arts. That was an everyday thing for mm-hmm. us. Right. So, right. You know, it's just that uh, to be able to have the, the Gracies who came here to have a way to uh, put that on a national spotlight uh, was different. And people then, I believe, found that in their areas of weakness, uh, they had to grow and to expand mm-hmm. and to evolve, and that allowed the involvement of some of the different arts. So I hope that made sense, and I hope that yes. answers the question. Yeah. It does. Perfect what about sense. you? Yeah. What about you, Master Tony? What What's your take on uh, MMA? Well, as far as what everybody said, positive and negative, the one thing that I noticed probably most of all is how it impacted the art that I'm in, in, in Kenpo. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many of you are, are Kenpoists that remember B1A base maneuvers, stuff like that, but Ed Parker thought he was being innovative in coming up with these maneuvers for how to spar, and they were great. They worked really well for when you're sparring another Kenpoist or for when you're sparring a Taekwondoist or something mm-hmm. of that sort. They don't right. work against an MMA guy. When they dive in and tackle your legs, you're done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. B1A is not going to do you a bit of good. You can't punch mm-hmm. him in the face if base is ducked down. So how it has changed us as martial artists is we've had to cope. We've had to literally go, okay, this doesn't work anymore because nobody's going to mm-hmm. grab you like this. This technique can't possibly work because this guy's going to scoop you up and slam you before you can do this, that, or the other. So mm-hmm. it has actually made us think. It has made us become more um, more thinkers and doers 
been able to sit back on the haunches of tradition. Mm-hmm. For mm-hmm. a lot of people, traditional styles are wonderful, and they are to me too, don't get me wrong, but they have to evolve. They have to change because MMA changed yeah. the whole game. Right. I don't like the violence aspect of it. I never will. I can't right. stand the muscle flexing, no matter how big my muscles right. are. Right. That's not mm-hmm. what it should be about. However, I do like the fact that we train hard. Uh, Mr. Brown will tell you 100%. When we train for a fight, we train hard. We kick hard. We punch hard. And it's an all-day event. It's not just, you know, an hour of stretching here and there, a little bit of warm-up, and all right, let's go. It mm-hmm. takes the entire day. And if if you don't do that in your dojos anymore, or if you don't do that all, if you're not doing the physical training like you're supposed to, right. one of these guys is going to take you out. Not just yeah. down, but out. Fast. Yeah. yeah. And it, that's mm-hmm. how it's changed us as an art, because we've had to adapt to it. If, if, if mm-hmm. you don't, you're in trouble. You're not going to win. There's no way. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. I, and exactly. wouldn't you guys you say that. that, you know, all the martial arts evolve in the same way? Right, I mean, right now we've got like you know we've got like the the MMA, but wouldn't you guys say that that you know all martial arts have evolved in its own right as styles because of newfangled ways of doing things years ago? Yeah, well, you've heard be... me say it before that all martial arts has its place. Mm-hmm. There's not a martial art out there that you can look at and go, oh, that's that's horrible, that's crap, that's exactly. just that's not right. Because exactly. all of them do something in of their own self, like as a, for instance, and again, not picking on what Taekwondo looks very beautiful. When you're mm-hmm. watching them kick, their kicks are amazing. Their punches right. are, eh, okay. But as far as things like that are concerned, you've got to look at the art for what it's giving you. It's giving right. you something that you don't have as an arsenal. So MMA in of itself, mixed martial arts, if you put the aspects of a lot of different martial arts together, that's where you're going to come up with something that works a little bit better. And that was the original idea, I think, behind MMA. If you watch the old guys who did it in, say, the very first season of it, these were all seasoned veteran martial artists. These weren't just run-of-the-mill people who started training from nothing to nowhere. These were tempoists, these were jujitsuists, these were taekwondoists, and these guys were awesome. Right. I mean, they were absolutely awesome, and there were no rules. Whereas Mm -hmm. now, if somebody puts their hand on the mat and their knee on the mat, you can't hit them in the back of the head. Right. But we don't have those rules in the street, so. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. There's some saving factor there for us, too. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's a very good point. Let's uh, let's hear from Master David Reed about the the subject. What, what what's your take on that, Master Reed? Well, um, I kind of I agree with most of the other masters. Um, it my my thing is is that when um, one of the people that I trained with when I first started was uh, under was Grandmaster Lee and he he started training boxers. Um, I don't know if you guys remember Pinkwin Thomas. He actually trained him, and he beat Tim Witherspoon to become the WBC World Heavyweight Champion. And so we were doing cross-training in our school. I was mm-hmm. learning boxing as well as Kung Sado, and we were doing grappling back then in the early 80s. So so he told me that the old masters were all cross-training. 
that MMA was always around, but it's just mm-hmm. now we we have people training in MMA because, let's say, the Gracies were always going to the ground, so you had to learn how to mm-hmm. ground fight. But um, I've been, you know, unfortunately, I've been jumped by three guys, and when they knocked me to the ground, you know, you can't grapple one guy and expect the guy that's standing next to you to just stand there and watch. He's going to put right. his head in. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So ring fighting doesn't work in the street. Right. Okay. So mm-hmm. as a JKD practitioner, the first thing I start doing is I teach people how to defend against a grappler or a person who is an MMA right. fighter. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the guys that was my, uh, a student with me who started was Javier Mendez, who um, later became Thunder Mendez, who now runs the American Kickboxing Academy in San Jose and trains mm-hmm. Kung Lee. And, and um, he believes that MMA is the only way to go and that that's the true martial arts. I disagree. I think that um, that in some way it's caused a lot of people to just look for it as in terms of a sport. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You're only training for your next fight. Whereas I train all the time for all my life, and I don't have this goal that, oh, I've got to beat this guy in six months. And then after the fight, I now I get to take three months off until my next fight. I start mm-hmm. It's a different philosophy. And when you take philosophy out of martial art, it just becomes a sport. Thank right. <laughs> Very yes. true. Very true. Very true. Very cool. Yeah, so, yeah, thank so you for that. I That's think it's awesome. evolving, but I think it it will it'll circle back around, and people will start going back to more traditional styles. Very. Cool. I think they already uh, have started doing that. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. That yeah. is a good point. That. Uh, Steve, Steve Clark, what's, what are your thoughts? Okay. <laughs> you know what? The MMA things. Um, I sort of. Uh, I feel like uh, Grandmaster uh, Daniel Heck the same way. It is positive, negative. What are the positive? You know, I am glad that's MMA there. Even though MMA, it is, uh, it has some other stuff that it should not be as portrayed as a martial art. However, I feel like I am glad it's MMA, not another basketball or something. You know, you know what I mean. Oh, At least uh-huh. martial art is out there. You understand that? Right. And right. to me, and to me, MMA is. This is how I see it. MMA is almost like you know, eighty. We watch wrestling, right? Right. So it's like okay, wrestling is getting tired. And then what are we gonna have? We got a UFC. Da da da. It's all this. To me, MMA is a super wrestling thing. Mm-hmm. And again, why MMA is so powerful? I would give it a, give that credit to the the power of media. Mm-hmm. Because if you go to get now, all they know is MMA, MMA. Because why? Because that is the power of the media. The media portray that power. And mm-hmm. if imagine they open up their smartphone or TV and they talk about MMA, and what are they? They know all the kids and the people around MMA, right? Mm-hmm. And I now you have to understand when they fight there, they have to be the way as they are because they, again, this is entertainment. Mm-hmm. And entertainment, you have to be the way it is in order to gravitate people's attention. 
That's true. And I'm sure those MMA people, they try when they train off the – because we don't know who they are behind. But, but behind the scene, I'm pretty sure uh, some of them, they are great guys. They train martial mm-hmm. artists. I know that. But, you know, when they get up there, they have to do their things. You know that? It's part of entertainment. Mm-hmm. This is the media. But I'm glad mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. MMA instead of, okay, another basketball or baseball, you know, has been there. I just want mm-hmm. to see more, more, more martial art to be you know, in the media. There's right on. Now, we're going to switch the focus a little bit. I want to go yep. back to Hanji Dan. Hanji, tell us about what all of us are going to be doing in six days. Oh, my gosh. <clears throat> well, if, if I'm done with processing these orders, and Dana's out there working on them right now, but uh, um, we're, we're getting everything settled up, so we've got a lot of great things coming on. We're gonna, as you guys know, we're in Hollywood, and phenomenal venue uh, we're going to deal with right next to Universal Studios, the Martial Arts History Museum, the Walk of Fame. We've got a huge red carpet uh, uh, venue coming on. We're going to have an after party. It's it's going to be amazing. And bes- besides all the stuff surrounding the Masters Hall of Fame, we get to introduce 60 new and indu- 59 new inductees to the Masters Hall of Fame. So, uh, and five of them are right there. Yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, it's almost 10. percent Six of them, 10 percent of the people that are going to be inducted are going to are on this radio show. So I'm a uh, I'm uh, pretty excited about next uh, next week and yes. the future we have. I mean, we're, we're, you know, I'm already working on uh, Masters Hall of Fame Columbus, and I'm trying to secure a date before the event so I can announce it at the event. Um, you know, just a lot of good stuff going on. Just a lot of good stuff. You know, Russ, I never cool. thought about that. He's absolutely right. Ten, uh, actually, one person over ten, over ten percent are on this show right now. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, Dan, what about the, what about the entertainment? I lost it. Sound effects, great. What what about the entertainment, real quick? What about the entertainment, real quick? We've got we got a special entertainment. Uh, the Taiko drummers are going to be there for sure, and then we have uh, a Japanese monk that's coming in to do a demonstration. He's phenomenal, by the way. And then we have a surprise entertainment. Um, and you guys are going to hear it here first. Yeah, so there's a uh, 10-year-old phenom, three-year-old, excuse me, I'm sorry, thank you, baby, three-year-old phenom. She she works the pads as well as anybody could at three years old, and she's coming, uh, yeah, Whoa. just an amazing uh, future kickboxing champion at three years old. Just phenomenal. What? I mean, I, I, it blew me wow. away. It blew me away. Because you know who I am. I'm, I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Sent me the YouTube tape. I said, "Okay, done deal. You can bring her." So uh, phenomenal. Wow. And then we have three years old. Three years old, yeah. And then we wow. have a special tribute by. Um, a, oh, I, I can't tell you about that. It's a surprise. Oh, okay. oh okay. we have a tribute coming, but it's a surprise. <laughs> I just got corrected. Yeah, but it, it's it's going to be just a couple minutes, but um, it's very it's very special. So very cool. You know, yeah, this year is going to it's going to run a little bit faster than the previous Masters Hall of Fames. You know, we're not mm-hmm. the the event the entertainments are the induction process is going to go quicker. Uh, we, mm-hmm. we made some changes, and we're going to spend much more time socializing in our after party and you know just the things that 
that make the Masters Hall of Fame uh, the social environment that we want to deal with, um, you know, that's going to be much stronger, I think. Well, what about the celebrities? I know, uh, we, I know the celebrities, but t- tell us about them real quick. Oh, my gosh. We got uh, Gloria coming. Uh, Gloria is the first. Uh, Henry, yeah, she's the first Bond girl. <laughs> I lost something there. I have it for the button to turn it down. Let me stop there we it go. real quick. Hold on. There we go. <laughs> yeah, that was actually, Gloria was our last guest last week. We had her on the show. Oh, really? Very good. Well, yeah. she's coming. She's a... Uh, Okay. She's had a, a great career. Uh, we're off the 20... air. <laughs> so so we're recording now. We're we're recording now, but technically, okay, uh, technically gotcha. we're off the air. But the uh, the uh, whole board went wonky for a second there because we went off the air. But we're recording now. All right. <laughs> good deal. We're good. So Gloria's going to be there. Um, Alonzo Jones. Most of you guys don't know Alonzo Jones, but Alonzo Jones is a. Uh, a dojo brother of mine, uh, he has uh, a, a doctorate in ministry and a doctorate of theology, or theology and a doctorate in, um, I think it's history. Uh, he was a, He's a retired Air Force guy. We trained together 